They believe with all their heart in the uh, supremacy of man and humanism and the great institutes of uh, university and college and, and learning and Ivy League and stuff like that. And they think that, yes, that's the way to go. Now, our studies here on Wednesdays have been designed to increase your faith by increasing your wisdom. The Bible says it's God who gives wisdom. This world has a certain kind of wisdom. Now we studied this last week, didn't we? The old devil's got his cheap duplicates, his cheap copies of God's originals. And God has wisdom. And so the devil has come up with the wisdom of this world. And that's in your notes. Uh, We've given you a link and you're able to use that link and download all of the notes. But on page number nine of your notes, you'll notice we got first Corinthians chapter one, two, and three. And there's verses there that show you from the word of God that there's a certain kind of wisdom to this world and this world's thinking. Their wisdom is all about what you can get. And the more you get, the better be it money, fame, popularity, physical beauty, prestige, romance, on and on the list goes. And these are things rooted and grounded in the world. The problem is all of us believers, born again, men and women, we have roots to this world. And some of the sap, the juices of worldly wisdom seem to find its way into our lives. And it can kind of distort things and mess things up. I really think that um, the ways of uh, worldly protest should not be part of God's church and God's people. What's going to win the day is going to be the prayers of God's people. I hope someone writes in amen to that because that's important. We learned also on the middle of page nine, that the unsaved people of the world acting foolishly, they believe with all their heart that this is the one and only way to go. The wisdom of the world. They believe with all their heart in the uh, supremacy of man and humanism and the great institutes of uh, university and college and and learning and Ivy league and stuff like that. And they think that, yes, that's the way to go. And of course, some of them follow great pathways of uh, law and medicine and science. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those. Don't get me wrong. But when you start to elevate science above God, that's a problem. God invented science. When you elevate law above God, that's a problem. God invented law. He's above law. When you elevate science and technology above God, that's a big no-no because God is the inventor of those things. These things are all subservient to the one and true God. But the worldly fool doesn't believe that. God is removed from his or her vision. And all they see 
are the things of this world. And so they really believe with all their heart that this is the way to go. And when we try and encourage them, turn around, go the direction of the Lord. That doesn't mean you, you put a gun to your head as far as thinking. It doesn't mean you become some kind of a robot or zombie. It doesn't mean that you separate your head. It doesn't mean that at all. But it means you look to the Lord and you'll find more knowledge and more wisdom. You'll see beyond the nuts and bolts of science and medicine and, and even law. And you'll see the great God that formed these things. Well, last week we labored to show you these things. And I believe that's where we finished off. And I think that tonight we're going to finish off page nine and we're going to uh, show you um, page eight, the lower half of page eight. This is just sort of a, a rough kind of a drawing here. Let's see. How can I turn that? I'm not sure I can turn it any which way to show you, but if you have page eight, you'll know that um, up on one side here is wisdom and the seven pillars of wisdom. And there's a line across the center. And that's pretty much the line of salvation folks. You're either born again into God's family or you're not. There's nothing in between. It's either you're alive or you're dead. You're saved or you're lost. It's one or the other. And you can't flip flop back and forth numerous times. If you're part of the, the unsaved, you're dead. That's where you'll remain unless you get saved and you're born again into God's family. And that's where you'll remain and praise the Lord for that. But I given you the first half of that page. Now I want to give you this, this lower portion here. Uh, Do I have that right? I didn't give the notes last week for the rest of page nine. Yeah. Um, now I'm going to give you a bunch of notes on this and I'm also going to show you another picture. I I've been thinking about it and thinking and praying. And I think if I had to do this paper over, I would do it a little differently. Now, uh, do you have that uh, page? Can you put that up for us, please? There, Ivan. Yeah, good. There we go. There it is there. That's how I would redo it. I think. Uh, Now the upper portion has not changed at all with the house of wisdom and the seven pillars that hasn't changed. It's the lower portion, the, uh, the valley of the shadow of death here. There's seven pillars, but those pillars are nowhere near as good as the pillars above. These pillars are scrawny. They're busted, cracked, broken. That's what they are. They're the pillars of the world's wisdom. And then instead of one house, I put in three. And I think that uh, that would probably give a little fuller explanation. All right. You can put that picture away. Now, just want to remind you that this picture here, uh, there's not a, a chapter and verse you can go to that will give you that picture. That picture is a composition of what I have seen in the book of Proverbs over decades, decades of studying it night and day, comparing verses, making reams and reams of notes, trying to fit things together, standing back, looking at it, saying, how does this fit together? 
And that's what I see. That's the lay of the land as I see it. And um, I think it's, it's fairly accurate. Um, you can change things around a little bit and that's fine too. But uh, I think that that gives you a, a good picture of the truth. Now we haven't prayed yet. Have we let's have a quick word of prayer. And then I want to just jump right in here on page number nine at the bottom. And I want to show you the, the seven pillars of foolishness. Now, our dear heavenly father, we ask for a special blessing that you would open the eyes of our understanding and that you would encourage our hearts to go the right way and show us Lord things from the scriptures that will uh, convince us that going the way of the world is, is not something that we're interested in. So Lord have thine own way now and bless each and every one who's tuned in. We have a good number of people that are watching right now and Father, I thank you for these folks. They're good folks. And I pray you'd bless them in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Well, on the, uh, the page that you have, the original page, um, you have these seven pillars of foolishness and you can number them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. If you are just tuning in, you might want to uh, download this picture instead. Or what you can also do is download this and transfer notes over. Something like that. This is the, the second one showing the scrawny pillars. And so um, I want to, to go through this with you. Um, those uh, pillars of foolishness, you can put little crack marks in them and break them up a bit because really they are not strong and good like the pillars of wisdom. These are lousy pillars. And the world, remember, has its cheap copy of God's original. And so God has these seven pillars. And so the world sort of has their seven pillars. And I want to go through this with you tonight. So pillar number one for us is the fear of the Lord, isn't it? Now for them, and we're on the bottom of page nine, number one, they don't fear the Lord. That's the word goes in your blank there. They don't fear the Lord. They fret F R E T. They fret against the Lord. You might wonder, what does this word fret mean? Well, let's give you a definition. Fret means mentally, emotionally stirred up by stress. That's the word goes in your blank. Stress, worry, and anger. Stress, worry, and anger. You wouldn't happen to have any of that stuff in your home, would you? Stress, worry, and anger. Your relationship, parents, with your children. Maybe your children are teenagers. Do you have a relationship of stress, worry, and anger? Or between husband and wife? Do you have any stress, worry, and anger? Possibly. That's, this is what fret is. Fret. And that's what the world does. That's maybe their number one pillar. For us, our number one pillar is the fear of the Lord. For them, it's fret against the Lord. And uh, beside the number one where it says they don't fear the Lord, they fret against the Lord. There's a little blank. I want you to write in Proverbs 19, 3, 19, chapter 19, verse 3. It says this, the foolishness of man perverteth his way and his heart fretteth against the Lord. There it is right there. There's the, the foolish pillar. They don't fear the Lord. 
No, they fret against the Lord out of stress and worry and anger. That's how so many, so many people are toward the Lord. Now I'll give you some examples of this Psalm 14, where it says examples of right in that first blank Psalm or PS Psalm 14 and verse one, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Wow. That's a good example of the, the fool fretting against the Lord. And also Psalm 74. That's the next blank. Psalm 74 and verse 18 and 22. Psalm 74, 18. Remember this, that the enemy hath reproached, O Lord, and that the foolish people have blasphemed thy name. And verse 22, arise, O God, plead thine own cause. Remember how the foolish man reproacheth thee daily. You go to work, you go to school, you hear all kinds of four letter words, and then they take the Lord's name in vain. JC this and GD that. What are they doing? They're just exhibiting their first pillar of worldly stupidity, what they call worldly wisdom. They fret against the Lord. That's what they do. And that's sad. Now, I'll tell you, they don't fear the Lord. If anything, they fear man. Now, why don't you write that in there in the, the side? If anything, they fear man. And I'll give you a verse. Proverbs 29 and 25. 29 verse 25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. And so if anything, these worldly, uh, the worldly wise man, <clears throat> he's just worldly. He's a fool. He doesn't fear the Lord. If anything, he's going to fear man. He'll fear. He'll put his fear in man. What a mistake. Hmm? And so this is their, their first pillar of foolishness. Now let's move on. Number two, the second pillar. Now remember for us, the first pillar is the fear of the Lord. The second pillar is the knowledge of God. I hope you have these seven memorized. They'll help you. But for them, it's their knowledge is of foolish things for us. We want knowledge of God and heavenly things and, and the things of eternity and the things of, of truth. Not them. They're not interested in that. They're interested in the knowledge of foolish things. You got two blanks there right in chapter 12 and verse 23. And it says a prudent man concealeth knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaimeth foolishness. So the heart of fools proclaimeth foolishness. The second blank is chapter 15 verses two and 14 chapter 15, verse two, the tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. And verse number 14, the heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. Not only do they pour it out, but they suck it in as well. They, they munch on it. They eat it up. All right. The third pillar for us is reproof. Not for them. Pillar number three, they hate 
reproof. Oh, they hate it when you reprove them. And you can write in there chapter nine and verse number eight. And it says, reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee. Foolish people, scornful people, wicked people, you reprove them. They don't like it. They don't welcome it. You see that verse number eight, chapter nine, verse eight, rebuke. Another word for reprove, rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. Say, how do you respond to reproof? When someone points out something you're doing wrong, how do you respond? How do you react to them? Do you react with kindness and humility? And do you accept the reproof as coming from God? Or is it an offense to your integrity, to your pride? How dare you? You are not perfect. And do you try and turn the tables on them? Tell them a few things about them that aren't very perfect. How do you respond to a reproof? Because I'll tell you, the worldly wise man doesn't respond very well. He hates it when you reprove him. He hates it. Now, he may offer a, a, a kind word, but in his heart, he hates it. All right, next one here. Number four. Now, number four for us is counsel. Counsel means to give uh, opinion, general opinion on a direction in which to go in life. That's the idea of counsel. Now, number four, their counsel is the way of ungodliness, ungodliness. And I'm going to turn back to Psalm one, verse one, write that in your blank there. Psalm one, verse one. And you know, this one, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You see that ungodliness, the counsel, their counsel is the way of ungodliness. Also your second blank right in chapter. This is in Proverbs. Now chapter 16 and verse 25, it says, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So there is a way that's the general counsel. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. This is an unsaved foolish man. He'd say to you, Oh, I'll tell you the direction you need to go in life. Why you need to go this way here where there's lots of wine, women and song. You need to go this direction here where you'll get accolades and fame and fortune and wealth. This is the way you want to go. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death, death and destruction. So their counsel number four is the way of ungodliness. Now, number five, pillar number five for us is instruction. Instruction gives you the step-by-step approach. When you're, you're going the right way, instruction comes along and says, okay, put one foot here, put one foot there. Watch out over here. Don't, don't step on that. That's, that's weak footing. That's a booby trap. Step around it. Instruction gives you the exact steps. When you buy a little model or something, you bring it home and you've got to assemble it. Some assembly required. There's instructions that tell you take part a and put it into part B and then add part C here. Step by step. That's our pillar. Number, uh, number five 
here, their pillar number five, their instruction is the way of folly. F O L L Y say, what is folly? What does that mean? Let's give a definition. Folly means unwise conduct, unwise conduct, madness, stupidity compared to God's wisdom. That's a fairly accurate definition of folly, unwise conduct, behaving yourself in a very unwise way, according to God's wisdom, behaving your way almost like a madman or madwoman or something behaving your way like a stupid person. This is folly. Now uh, let's give you a couple of verses here beside number five. Their instruction is in the way of folly. I want you to write in chapter 16, verse 22. It says understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it, but the instruction of fools is folly folly. So the fool will give you step by step and it it's madness. It's stupidity in the eyes of God. God looks at them and laughs at them when they should be taking part a and joining it to part B. They, they take part a and they join it to part F it's foolishness. And also the second blank Chapter 19, verse 27, 19, verse 27. Cease my son to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. Solomon is making a plea to his son. He says, stop listening to the instruction of fools. And the fools will gather around you and say, here's what you need to do. You need to go here and go there and do this and do that. Stop listening to this madness, this way of the world. Now let's give you a couple of examples here uh, in number five, a couple of examples. And I've given you three. Number one is chapter 10, verse 23. So chapter 10, verse 23, it says, it is as sport to a fool to do mischief but a man of understanding hath wisdom. It has, it is as sport to a fool to do mischief. Fools love to do mischief to them. It's like sport. Oh, they're having a great old time. There's a good example right there of the instruction. Uh, the foolish instruction. Another one. Number two, chapter 17, verse 18, chapter 17, verse 18. A man void of understanding. Now this would be a, a fool, an unsaved man. He's got no understanding, no understanding, no wisdom. A man void of understanding striketh hands and becometh surety in the presence of his friend. He co-signs banknotes. Well, I'm going to sign for my friend. And if he can't pay, well, they can just come and take away my house. They can come and take away all my possessions. I'll sign away for my friend. God says that's foolish. That's an example of foolishness. Um, Chapter 26 of Proverbs. This is the third one. 26 verses 18 and 19. As a madman 
who cast the firebrands, arrows and death. So is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, am not I in sport? So here's an example of a guy who's a practical joker. He runs up to his neighbor's house and bangs on the door and says, neighbor, neighbor, your house is on fire. Your house is on fire. And the guy comes running. His heart's pounding. You know, he opens the door. What, what, where, where? Just kidding. Just kidding. This guy is acting like a madman, but he thinks it's sport. Taking advantage of his, the friendship that he has. (laughs) You know, you do this kind of thing. You're not going to have many friends, but we're told here as a madman, a man who's, who's lost his, his, his sanity and his reason. He's mad. He's out of his mind and he's casting firebrands, arrows and death. He's throwing these things around. That's kind of a very dangerous, dangerous person to be around. So is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, am not I in sport? Maybe his neighbor's selling something. I don't know. Maybe he's selling his car. And here this guy comes and uh, maybe the cars he's asking, say $2,500 for the car. And so the guy comes and he says, Oh, this car's a piece of junk. It's going to fall apart. I'll, I'll give you a hundred dollars for it. And the guy says, Oh no, no. All right. I'll give you $200. That's my final offer. Trust me. I'm a mechanic. I know everything. This is a piece of junk. You know, you sell it to someone, they're going to get in an accident. They're going to come and sue you, but I'll take it off your hands for $200. Oh, well, okay. And a guy takes $200. He takes his car and he laughs all the way to the bank. He says, ha, 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 I sure got him that time. That's his neighbor. Boy, neighbors like that. Who needs enemies? Boy, there's an enemy right there. Well, here, number five, the lousy pillar that it is, cracked, rotten to the core, kind of a pillar. The instruction that they give you is folly. Number six. Number six for us, the pillar is prudence, prudence, where you look twice and and leap once you hear twice and speak once you look and see what's coming down the pipe. Hmm. I better protect myself against this. It looks to be coming. The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. The simple pass on and are punished. That's for us. That's, that's a good pillar. We need that. But for them, Their prudence is deceit or deceitful deception. And right in the blank chapter 18 and verse four, chapter 18 and verse number four, the words of a man's mouth are as deep water. Do I have the right verse here? You know, sometimes I write down the wrong verse. I'll have to check my notes on that. I think this is the third time I got so many notes. And when I'm copying them over, then sometimes I make a mistake. I don't put down a, like it could have been a 14 or a, you know, a 24 or something like that. I'll have to get back to you on that one. All right. I apologize, but let's look at the next one. Chapter 23, 23 verses one to three. Ah, Okay. Here we go. When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee and put a knife to thy throat. If thou be a man given to appetite, be not desirous of his dainties for they are deceitful meat. There's the deception, the deception when they are prudent. It's only to be 
deceptive. They're, they're full of deceit. That's the idea of this pillar for us. Of course, it's, it's for, for knowledge or looking ahead and, you know, looking at what could go wrong and, and that's prudence for them. They kind of look ahead and set traps for you as deceitfulness. That's their pillar. We come to the last pillar. Now for us, the last pillar is a very, very wonderful one. And that's the strength of the Lord or power is another word you can use on that pillar. Power is prudence is number six power. Number seven power with men and power with thee. the greatest power that you will have is God's power in and through you in your prayer closet. And if you have no power, then you ought to be able, you ought to be checking things out and saying, what's going on here? Why is it that I don't have power over the world, the flesh and the devil power over my sin power to understand the scriptures. My prayers lack power. I pray and nothing happens. Where's the power? Where is the God of Elijah? Where's the power? And maybe you need to go back and readjust something in your life. But as a born again believer, there's supposed to be power in your life and power in your prayer. That's where you're going to find your greatest power is in prayer. John Knox was a a godly man in Scotland that was trying to win the Scottish people to Christ. And he was doing a wonderful job. And he was a man of prayer, a tremendous man of prayer. And I believe it was Mary queen of Scots. Pastor Devian, is that the right one? Do I have that right? He's given me the thumbs up. I got my history, right? It was Mary queen of Scots who was a contemporary. She, she lived back then. She was, the, the queen for a short period of time of the uh, British empire there. And she said she feared the prayers of John Knox. When John Knox got on his knees to pray folks, that's the kind of Christian that you and I want to be. We want to be Christians that know how to go to God and pray for great things to happen. So that's our pillar. Number seven is power. What's their pillar number seven? They have one. Their strength is their destruction. Their strength ends up destroying themselves. And yes, they have strength in many ways, financial strength or popular popularity strength. Sometimes they have tremendous physical strength and it ends up destroying them. I want to give you an example of this Uh, chapter one, verse 32. So that's your first blank. You got two blanks there. Chapter one, verse 32 says for the turning away of the simple shall slay them. Now pause for a minute. Remember, I explained to you that on the death side of this chart, you know, the line life and death. And on the death side, you seem to have four classifications of unsafe people. You have number one, the simple, they just seem to be very inexperienced. They don't have any experience. They haven't made their decision yet, perhaps what they're going to do uh, in life. And if they're going to go toward the Lord or, you know, toward the world, they, they haven't quite figured that out yet. They're the simple ones. Then the ones who have made their decision, these are the fools. 
And then the ones who take it even further, these are the scorners that mock and laugh, ridicule. And then the last layer are the real wicked. And these ones will, will kill and hurt and maim. These, these are more beast, beastie kind of people with beastie hearts. You know, they're, they're like animals. And so you seem to have this lower strata, these levels of unsaved people. And here in this verse, it says for the turning away of the simple shall slay them. What does that mean? It means they turn away from God. They turn away from the way of God and salvation. Just turning away is going to end in their destruction, their death, and they're going to hell. And then it it goes on. It says, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. The fool now who uh, puts the coins in the, uh, the slot at at Las Vegas and pulls the arm. Actually, I'm not sure they do that anymore. High tech. They probably don't have too much of that anymore, but you get the idea. They, they put in their coins, they pull and they get all this money back and they dance and they drink champagne. Ha ha ha. And it, it insulates them from God. They, they scratch a a lotto ticket or something and they win a million dollars. They win $50 million. Ho, 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 ho. I've hit it big. I'm set for the rest of my life. The prosperity of fools, it says, shall destroy them. Their strength becomes their destruction. One of the strongest men in modern times that ever lived. He was a man born in Canada, in Quebec. His name was Louis Sear, born in the 1800s, born on a farm. His mother was a strapping, strong woman. He inherited the gene from her. And as a young man, he could lift up a hay wagon. You should uh, look him up. Louis Sear, C-Y-R. That's how you spell his last name. Louis C-Y-R, Sear. And he wasn't all that tall but he was a massive big man. His biceps were like 36 inches. His biceps. He was a massive man, just a a chunk of steel. And he was lifting thousands of pounds. And he died in his forties. He didn't live very long. He died in his forties because of the tremendous strain it put on his heart. And he had a heart attack and he died in his forties and his strength became his destruction. And that's the way it is folks. This world we live in, they have their imitation copy of God's true wisdom. If you're born and saved and, and you're on your way to heaven, you're part of God's family. Oh, beloved, you've got seven pillars that God is offering you to embrace each and every one. There's a couple of them in there, particularly uh, reproof that uh, people say, Ooh, I don't like to get reproved. No, you learn to embrace it. You learn to embrace all seven and you'll find your life will change. You'll find that you'll develop more of a taste for heaven and for God. You'll want to walk with God every day. Your life will become exciting. Maybe it used to, maybe you've been saved for a long time and your Christian life is just kind of ho hum. Well, that's a trick of the devil and he's got you. 
You can turn that around. You can get back the joy of the Lord. If you will learn to embrace the seven pillars of wisdom. My friend, if you're watching and you're not on the right side of this thing, maybe you're one of the simple or you're perhaps even a fool. Wisdom is calling to you. Turn your back on foolishness. Come the way of the Lord. You can be born again into God's family. You can have a place in heaven. All, but all you have to do is do nothing. And one day you'll die and end in hell. You might have a little bit of riches in this life. You might have a little bit of happiness, but you'll have a whole lot of sorrow and sadness too. You'll have no hope beyond the grave. You'll experience a lot of the fretting against the Lord. There'll be excess amount of sorrow, worry, and anger in your life. Oh, I encourage you, my friend. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Don't put it off. Don't wait another minute. Be born again into God's family. We're going to stop there. And then next week, God willing, we're going to get into page number 10. And we're going to talk to you about the good paths of wisdom. You're going to like this. Now, our heavenly father, we give you the praise and honor and glory. Thank you, Lord, for opening the eyes of our understanding and helping us to see, especially through the Bible, through the scriptures. We put on the scriptures like a pair of prescription glasses. And all of a sudden the blurriness is gone. The fog and the haze lifts. We can see clearly right and wrong. We can see what needs to be done. We can see what we ought to do. Now, Father, bless your people and the remainder of this quick service now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.